You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, but they're, they're promises that God has given us uh, and blessings that we, myself especially, forget. And if we would remember them, we would, <laughs> we would act differently, we would live differently, we would think differently. Because uh, Sometimes life gets us down, right? Sometimes we allow life to get us down. Sometimes we allow Satan to come in and put doubts in our minds and our hearts so that we don't act like the children of God that we are. And this message mainly in my mind is to true children of God. Those who have placed their faith and trust in God, repented of their sins, called out to God to ask the forgiveness of sin and ask, them, ask Him to save them. That's who this message is for. But it's also at, uh, toward the end we will look at the other side also. But our rich blessings in Christ. Ephesians 1, 1 through 6 <clears throat> I think is all we're going to cover this morning. We'll see. Um, how many of you, go ahead, I want, I want, this isn't a rhetorical question, I want you to raise your hand. How many of you ever had a pity party? Everybody, that's right, everybody has a pity party. Oh, woe is me, all right? And if, you, if you're not careful, you will, you, will, you will find yourself there more than, more, more than you should, for sure, which is never. But, uh, okay, how about this one? This is a rhetorical question. How many of you ever, ever thought... I can't witness anybody because I don't know what to say. I can't tell anybody about God because I don't know enough about God myself. I can't tell somebody how to be saved because I don't know God's Word. Or them thoughts in your mind are from Satan. He's the only one that does not want you telling others about God. And in these verses that we're going to look at this morning, hopefully it's going to encourage you that you have everything you need to live godly, holy, and blameless. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these, from right here on is where our, our, our message comes, really. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, if you like, if you like writing in your Bible, circle that one, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him, in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which, there's another one you can circle, He made us accepted in the beloved. 
Bow with me again, please. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for, for all that you do. Forgive us for forgetting who you are, what you've done, and who we were before you came into our lives and help us to remember who we are. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. Paul starts off. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who? He makes sure, he's fixing to start naming off some blessings that, that believers have that we've been promised. But then he makes he makes sure, he wants to make sure, or I want to make sure we understand, and I know we do, but, but, but I'm going to make a point anyway, that God is the only one who blesses. He's the one who has given you everything that you have. Every blessing that you've ever received came from God. He is the the one, the blesser. James writes in James 1.17, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That is exactly the kind of God you want blessing you. The one that there is no variation, there's no shadow of turning. It doesn't change. And He's gracious. He gives us blessings. He gives us uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I have mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. Go home, get you a piece of paper. No, 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 no. Get you a notebook and a pencil or pen. Start naming your blessings. Start writing your blessings down. Start with the big, get to the small, and see if you ever find an end to that list. He gives us the air that we breathe. Right? Every, every time we breathe in, it's a blessing from God that we're not six feet under. Right? He, uh, he gives us clothes on our back. He gives us food in our bellies. He gives us a bed to lay down on. I was somewhere last week that that wasn't, that, that wasn't uh, necessarily the case always. And I'm hopefully going to talk about that tonight maybe. We'll see. Uh, he, gives, he, he has blessed you. You being a part of the family that you are is a blessing from God. You being in this church is a blessing from God. The, the, uh, your health, even though everybody in this building is not healthy, there's somebody up there in children that's worse off than we are, right? Or somewhere. Yeah, true. So it's a blessing. The blood flowing through our veins right now that we're not even aware of is a blessing to God. Yeah. Make you a list. And see if you don't get happy and blessed. <clears throat> Simple application to this truth is be thankful. God has blessed you. Don't forget to be thankful. And then we get to this one. I love this. It says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. MacArthur says about this, in his providential grace, God has already given believers total blessing. Wearsby says, the Father has given to every, no, given us every blessing of the Spirit, everything that we need for a successful, satisfied Christian life. And I would add, for a godly, holy, blameless life. Because that's what God wants. 
We're going to see that in a minute. Um, Paul writes to the Colossians, For in him, talking about Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and listen to this, you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. The believer has every spirit, everything spiritual that he or she needs to live a holy and blameless life. And by doing that, should result in a happy and content life when you're doing the will of God. If you're a child of God and you're doing the will of God, it should lead to a happy and content life. Just like when you was a kid and you was doing what your father and mother told you to do, it usually turned out better for you, right? A good, a good day versus a day of going against their will, which in my case turned out pretty bad. <laughs> and I'm glad for it. But he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. If, if and when we grasp that, if and when we, that sinks in and we, and we let it affect our lives, we can say with David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can you imagine a life of contentment? Maybe some of you are, and that's good, that's what we're supposed to be. A life of contentment is good. That's what he wants. He's blessed us with everything that we need to get there. In the heavenly, just simply means uh, the heavenly places. It refers to the realm of God's complete heavenly domain from which all his blessings flow. If you think about it, a believer, a true believer, is a heavenly person, person in a way. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our name's written in heaven in the book of life, in the Lamb's book of life. Our Father's in heaven. Our Savior's in heaven. Shouldn't our thoughts and life be heavenly minded as well? Um, <clears throat> Colossians, Paul writes in Colossians 3 to prove, kind of back that point up. If then you are raised with Christ, in other words, if you are truly saved, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to live a life so heavenly minded that you can't function in the earth. I mean, there's, a, there's a balance but our minds, our thoughts, should be on heaven and on God and on what he wants us to do. And the rest of it will fall into place where it's supposed to. And uh, lastly, it says, in Christ, it says, bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that simply is God's abundant blessings belongs only to believers, comes from Christ, through Christ, as a result of true faith in him. <clears throat> now, that, that was great. He's blessed us. He's given us everything we need. Everything we need to do what he wants us to do. Now he gets into some specific blessings. Uh, he names them off. Uh, and we're going to look at three of them for sure today. He says in our verses that we're chosen, that we're adopted, that we're accepted. That's, that's good if you think about it. If you think about who you are, because I'm thinking about who I am. 
chosen, adopted, and accepted. Yeah. <clears throat> Verse 4 says, just as he... This, this, might, this might upset... Hope, hopefully it doesn't upset you because it's, t it's talking about some things that went on before we was even born. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. First off, first off, the fact that he chose us is enough. Have you ever, uh, maybe at a church function for the youth or something, or maybe when you were younger in school, there were, you'd come to, come to recess time and you had two captains and they'd start picking teams for whatever game, and they start choosing, right? If you was chosen, chosen first, you kind of stuck your chest out a little bit. He chose me first. But there's always somebody that was chosen last, right? And sometimes for different reasons than others, but it always was. We're not at the beginning and we're not at the end, so we're not chosen first. We're not chosen last. There will be one day one that was chosen last in God's eyes, right? And when that, when that happens the excitement will start and that grave that place over there get moving and anyway but it, but it never was it never was fun to be chosen last right the simple fact that God chose us whether it's first or last he chose us he chose to save us now, if you think about who you are, who you was, who you were before Christ, you and I were enemies. John, Jesus says in John 15, 16, I didn't, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief of the truth. Think about, think about the Bible. Think about the old Bible stories you always heard. Is, is, is God choosing people in there? It's all through the Bible. He chose Abram out of, out of the land of Ur. He chose Isaac over Ishmael. He chose Jacob over Esau. He chose Moses to lead the people. He chose Joshua to replace Moses when he died. He chose Rahab to hide the spies. He chose the judges to deliver the people. He chose King Saul, their first king. He chose King David. He chose Solomon. He chose John the Baptist to go before Jesus and and make the way straight. He chose Mary even to have Christ, right? He chose the 12 apostles. He chose Paul. You go on and on and on and on. He chose Pharaoh to use him for his will. He chose Nebuchadnezzar and the king of Assyria to use him. Now, if that bothers you that God chooses, you got to remember that everything he does is right and true and just. Amen. Everything. Whether, whether he chooses according to our likings or not, he's true. He cannot lie. So, just rejoice in the fact that he chose you. He chose you. Everything that God does is right. And he chose you. 
He chose us in him. MacArthur says, God's superabundant blessings belong only to believers who are his children by faith in Christ, so that what he has is theirs, including his righteousness, his resources, his privileges, his position, and his power. He's the owner of everything, right? He chose us, and, 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 and we're going to see here in a minute that, that we've been adopted. And later on in these verses, we'll see that we inherit from him, but we're, we're chosen in him. And, 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 and lastly, of this point, before the foundation of the world, he didn't choose us yesterday. He didn't choose us once we got our life in order. He chose us before the foundation of the world. Who can explain that to me? I cannot. I choose to believe it, though. Before the foundation of the world, God chose me. Amen. And you, if you're a child of God. So it's something that should make you smile a little bit. Like, like getting chosen first out of a group of kids kind of make you perk up and stick your chest. God chose me. And you, if you're his. Before the foundation of the world. Um, MacArthur writes on, on, on that particular subject. He said, through God's sovereign will before the foundation of the world, and therefore obviously independent of human influence and apart from any human merit, those who are saved have become eternally united with Christ. This is one of those things I don't understand. And if you choose, you can let it bother you and bog you down, or you can choose to believe it, because God's Word says it over and over again. And you can believe it and trust it and let it encourage you, that not only he knows you, he chose you. And lastly, for, for this point, he chose us for a purpose. It finishes that, that we should live, that we should be holy and without blame before him. He didn't choose us just to be chewed. He chose us for a reason, a purpose. And it doesn't have to be a great big uh, billboard purpose. He chose us to live for him. He chose us to be holy and blameless. <clears throat> He spells out our responsibility. Holy simply means to be pure and, and, and righteous. He's, he's told us time and time again through the Bible that, that be ye holy for I am holy. So it's no secret to us. Matthew Henry says all who are chosen to happiness as an end are chosen to holiness as a means. Pretty good statement to me. All who are chosen to happiness as an end, all who are saved, are chosen to holiness as a means. Blameless simply means to be guiltless. Not perfect, but guiltless. And just in case some of you having this thought going through your mind that's saying that's impossible. We can't be holy and blameless. We can be. Uh, there's a few few instances. Noah, it was said about Noah that he was a just man, perfect or blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. 
It was said about Job that there was a man of the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. It's possible. God has told us to be holy and blameless. So we can't, we can't say it's impossible. He would never tell us to do something that's impossible. So it's possible to be holy and blameless. That's what he requires of us. And it's not according to my standard. It's not according to your standard. It's according to God's standard. And it's before him. Holy and blameless. Holy, holy and without blame before him. Let's not forget that we are accountable to him. <clears throat> we are accountable now. We will be accountable at the, at the end. We will answer to God for every, everything. Uh, but the upside to that is, in God's eyes, if you're truly his, positionally we're already holy and blameless. In his eyes, because of Christ's blood. And uh, we mess up every day, right? The Bible says we will confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And sad to say, I do it pretty regular. I have to, because I'm a sinner. I mess up a lot. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to sin, but, we're, but when we do sin, we're supposed to confess them. And God has promised to cleanse us <clears throat> okay so we're chosen by our creator before the creation was created and we're chosen to live holy and blameless before him second thing is adoption verse 5 7 heaven says having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace so we have been adopted is there anybody in here that has adopted a child or been how about, how about been adopted really pretty cool I, I, I don't know enough about, the, about it to, to talk much about it, but I do know <clears throat> that it's an amazing thing to adopt a child. There's, when they talk, there's plenty of them out there, too, that need a good home. And I'm sure it's an amazing thing to be adopted into a good family. What better family than the family of God? What better, what better father than God himself to be adopted into? <clears throat> But there's that word, that predestined, predestined. It simply means to settle beforehand. That's all it means, settle beforehand. It could read, having settled beforehand us to the adoption as sons. Just like we were chosen before the foundation of the world, he settled it beforehand to adopt us, to bring us into his family, uh, to welcome us into his family. Think about, think about if, if, if that word bothers you, predestined, think about all the, every event connected to the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. It's predestined. Told about way before it ever happened. It, it was probably before that. Think about uh, all the promises in God's word being fulfilled that were predestined that they would be fulfilled. I mean, it's, it's settled beforehand. It's not a, it's not a bad word. But speaking of adoption, MacArthur writes, 
human parents can bestow their love, their resources, and their inheritance on their adopted child, but they cannot bestow their distinct characteristic. But God miraculously gives his own divine nature to those who, who he has elected and who have trusted in Christ. So that's true. If you adopt a child, you can give them an inheritance. You can give them things they need, but you cannot give them your characteristic. If you look at, if you look at, if my kids were here, you might could look at one of them and say, well, he kind of, you, you kind of resemble each other. It's our characteristic. Uh, Christy and Ron's child there, Allison, you can look at her and there's some characteristics that favor, right? But adoption, adopted children do not have those characteristics of adopted parents. But God, when he adopted us, has given to us his divine characteristic, his spirit inside us. That's how you can, you can know a true believer from here. Before I ever meet them, you can, you can know them. You can know that they are your brother and sister in Christ. Me and, uh, me and one of the guys in Tanzania was talking about that. We'd, we'd, get, up, we'd get off this bus at this village, and immediately you could pick out and was nearly about certain who was your true brother and sister in Christ there when you walked off that bus. Just because of his divine nature in each of us. Um, he has adopted us. He's given us new birthrights. We're born again. He's given us a new family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and speaking of family, this church family is part of it. He's given us spiritual wealth because of this adoption, because before Christ, we were spiritually bankrupt. We were, we were in over our head. He's given us sanctification, bringing us more and more like Christ and his nature by which is the only way we can live holy and blameless before him is him inside of us. <clears throat> the Bible speaks a pretty good bit about adoption. Here's several verses here. One from Romans 8, 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. John writes in John 1, 12 to 13, But as many as received him... <coughs> To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And lastly, Paul writes to the Galatians, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Uh, so we've been adopted, settled beforehand, and it pleased God. He said, uh, according to the good pleasure of his will, it pleased God to 
bring you into his family. If you are his, if you are a believer, it pleased God to bring you in. And it's all for his glory, for the glory of his grace. Paul writes in Romans eleven thirty six, For of him, through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. To the glory of his grace we're chosen. To the glory of his grace we're adopted. It's all because of his grace. And lastly, <clears throat> we're accepted. We're accepted by God. Now try to try to picture in your mind how pure and how righteous God is. And then say the words, I'm accepted by him. I'm accepted. Now, I don't mean to pick on you women, but here it goes. I don't see how y'all do it every day. For I, 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 in my mind, I think it's worse on you than it is on men. You see these ads and it says you, got to, you should look like this or you should look like this or this or this. It, was, it, it seems like to me it would be exhausting. Really? God says he accepts you. Like you are. Accepted in the blood. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I am too. I mean, it's, it's not just you men. I'm sure men think this kind of the same way, but in my mind, women think more that way, but I hope you don't. I hope you know that you're accepted by God. That's, that's all you have to worry about. That he accepts you. <clears throat> Before salvation, because of our sin, we were unacceptable. We could not get into his presence. We could not get to heaven. Because of his grace, we are accepted. Before salvation, when he looked on us, it was filthy rags. It was blackness. After salvation, because of his grace... He sees his son. He sees his righteousness that he imputed to us. Before salvation, we was guilty of breaking God's law. After salvation, we have been found not guilty, accepted. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He adopted us. He's accepted us. We've placed our faith in Him. We've confessed our sins. We've repented of our sins and asked Christ to forgive our sins and to come into our lives and save us. Now let's start living that way. Let's start living that way, knowing that we're chosen before the foundation of the world, knowing that we're adopted, knowing that we're accepted by the God of all creation, knowing that now when He looks at us, we're not guilty. That's right. Accepted. Think about the, uh, most of us here know the story of uh, Philemon. And I hope I, don't, I hope I don't mess this up. But Paul tells Philemon, see, what the story starts is Onesimus. By the way, I met, a, I met a Onesimus last week in Tanzania. But Onesimus was a runaway slave that came to Paul. That's right, right? Okay. 
they come to Paul and turns out that he gave his life to Christ and that he started serving Paul and ministering to Paul. So Paul writes to Philemon, Onesimus' former master, and he sends this letter with Onesimus back to Philemon. And he says in this letter, in, in, a, in a nutshell, whatever he owes, put it to my account. Accept him as you would accept me. That's what God's doing right now. If you're his, he's accepting you as he accepts Christ because of his sacrifice on the cross. He looks at you and a smile comes to his face because of what Christ did, not because of what we do. He, he, Paul told him to receive him as you would receive me. I will pay his debt. That's more or less what he said. Christ has paid our debt. And because of that, and because of our faith and our trust in him, we are chosen. Well, man, man, that's probably wrong. He chose us for the foundation of the world. Anyway, we are accepted and we are adopted. Into the beloved, he says, in the beloved. Matthew mentions Christ as the beloved twice. He says, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, this is my, be but my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. To be accepted in the beloved. In my Bible, it's, it's a capital B, beloved. To be accepted in the beloved is to be accepted as God accepts Christ. As into what God loves. He loves Christ. He loves, and when we're accepted by God, we're accepted into the family of God as sons and daughters of God. So, to close, we're blessed with every spiritual blessings that we need. Amen. So we don't have an excuse anymore. If you believe that, we don't have an excuse of why we're not doing this or why we're not doing that. We can't say, well, I don't know if I'm capable. Well, some, some things you're not capable of. God's given you everything you need to do what he wants you to do. <clears throat> and we're complete in him. We are chosen before the foundation of the world. We're chosen so that we will live holy and blameless lives before him because we are accountable to him. We're adopted again predestined, settled beforehand according to his good pleasure for his glory and because of his grace we are accepted in the beloved. So I know my voice is monotone. My voice isn't one that's going to get you up on your feet but at least these words should, should encourage you that you're not part of the world anymore. If you're his you are part of God's family. He wanted you in. He put you in there. And it pleases him. 